Greetings and welcome back to another on an ongoing series of Shurim and Daf Yomi. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom. We are now in Sota Daf Gimel Amud Aleph near the top of the Amud. Um, and uh, continue on our discussion of some of the language of uh, of the text of Parshat Sota. Tana Devera Bishmuel. This is now going back to something we saw earlier, and we're going to deal with it again later in this podcast. We already have uh, circumstantial evidence. After all, her husband already warned her, and she was in seclusion with the man about whom she was warned. And if one witness testifies that she indeed did have relations, then that's it. So Papa now asks Abaye about the issue of Kinui. Vahakiktiva Kinui, if you look at the Pasuk, it has Kinui, and take a look back on page zero, the uh, first page of yesterday, of the first podcast, uh, uh, handout. Vahakiktiva Kinui, when the, the verb of him warning his wife, it says, So that means that he, that he issues the, the kinui after she's already been defiled. So how do we explain our halachic system of kinui stira first? It points out that the word ve'avar, technically in biblical Hebrew, is what we call avar de avar, past perfect, which means it had already passed, which means that a woman was in seclusion, and before that, that had already been ruach kina and kinui. So now let me ata, if the, if the word ve'avar always means he had already passed, then ve'avar lachem ko chalutz achinami, in the context of Moshe Rabbeinu's negotiations, the Bnei God of Bnei Ruven, where he says the vanguard should go first, you're going to say ve'avar there means he had already gone, this is a negotiation for the future, that when we cross the land, you guys will be the first tribes to go ahead in, in war. So the answer is, in the negotiations, he says, and then the land will be conquered, and then you return, so it's clear from context that Viavar there means you will cross, they will cross. But in our context, it makes no sense to read it literally as Viavar, meaning, and it will pass. If you're going to say, first she was in seclusion, and we even have one witness that she was, uh, that she had an affair, and she had relations. And then Kinui Lamali, what's the point of Kinui at that point? You've already got testimony uh, to the fact that she's also. Alright, so therefore here we have to read it as Ve'avar, meaning it had already passed. Now, Tadav Ebishmoel, Einadam Mekana Le'ishtol Mekin Nechasab Baruach. It has to be inspired in order to, to do Kinui. Shinemar Ve'avar Alav Ruach Kina V'Kinei A spirit of Kina. Uh, possesses him and he does kinui. Now, my ruach, what kind of spirit is it? Rabbanan Amri Ruach Tuma. It's a spirit of Tuma. In other words, that this is not a good thing, and that fits with the approach that we saw in the first podcast, that Asur Likano, it's not a good thing. Asher Maruach Tahara, he says, no, it's a spirit of purity in which he's uh, raised the sensitivity to the point where he thinks something's wrong. But that position seems more reasonable. Why? Detanya Vikineti Shto Rashut says, the Torah is permitting you to do it. Rabbi Kiva says that if you have a suspicion, there's an obligation to, admit, to administer kinui. 
Alright, so now, if you agree that the spirit that possesses a man is Ruach Tara, then Shapir, then I understand how you can have a dispute about whether it's permitted or obligatory. But if you say that the Kinui only comes because you have a Ruach Tuma possess you, could it possibly be that Rabbi Shema would say it's permitted and Rabbi Kiva say it's obligatory to have a spirit of Tuma? Uh, possess you and allow that to dictate your actions, so therefore it must be Ruach Tahara. Now, Gufa, that, by the way, does not necessarily say that, as, that Mutar Lekanot. It may still be the position that Asur Lekanot, and uh, that it's really not a good idea, but it doesn't mean that the spirit that moved you was not a positive spirit. <coughs> Clearly, Rabbi Kiva could not accept the idea of Asur Lekanot, because it's Chova. Now, uh, Gufa, let's look back at that discussion. Parallel to that, Yitama in the context of Tumat Kohanim for the dead, it says that a, a Kohen it defiles himself for relative this, that, and the other, and for his unmarried sister. Rashut, the Rabbi Shmuel, Rekiva Omer Chova. Again, Rabbi Shmuel says he may defile himself, Rekiva says he must. This is the end of Parsha Bahar, which says that if you that you the the non-Jewish slaves, you pass on in your estate to your children and you work them forever. Reshut, That means you may. You're obligated to, and indeed you're not allowed to free your slave. So Papa says to Abaye after these three machlokot. Would you like to say, and this is clearly a reductio, but are you, would you like to argue that Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Akiva disagree throughout the Torah, in every place? The, the Amar Marhushut, the Amar Marchova, that Rabbi Shmuel is going to read every indicate, any directive in the Torah and say, that means you're allowed to do it. And Rabbi Akiva is going to say, no, that means you must do it. Which, of course, is preposterous, but we're, well, the reason he's asking it is to try to clarify why in these three areas they have this disagreement. So Amalei Hacha Bikrai Pligi. The answer, either Rav or Abaye answer, depending who was asking, <coughs> uh, that the the Rabbi Shmuel and Rikiva are disagreeing about interpretation of the text in each one of these cases. And by the way, there will be a consistency to the positions. Vikineti uh, Shto, and parenthetically, the schools of Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Akiva, which were of course established at the beginning of the second century reflected the different exegetical approaches to the text. And that comes out in this context, it comes out in many other contexts, uh, about what are the proper tools to use and how we understand, uh, specifically in our context, how we understand the use of seemingly superfluous language in the text. Here we go. Let's see. Why does Rabbi Shmuel say it only means Rashut? You may warn your wife. He holds like this. Since the Torah said you may not hate your fellow in your heart, I might think that even applies when your wife, when you suspect that your wife's having an affair, you have to still forgive and judge favorably. Means the Torah says you may administer. In other words, since there's a prohibition, the text is coming to say you may administer kinui. Right? Rabbi Kiva, how does Rabbi Kiva answer that? Kinui achrinaktiv. Remember, it says twice. So in both possibilities it's written. So Rabbi Kiva says, 
I agree with you, except it already says that once. So, Kinu Yachrin it says it a second time to boost it from permission to obligation. Rabbi Shmuel says, I did the boy in the michta vinitma vilonitma ktivnami vikinet ishto. It's simply what we call parallel construction. Since the Torah said vikinet ishto vinitma, it also has to say vikinet ishto vilonitma. Allowing for both possibilities, there's the only two possibilities around. In other words, Rabbi Shmuel says the syntax of the, the syntax of the text has to reflect normal uh, normal style of writing. And since you, it would be awkward to say v'kinet ishto v'nitma and v'hilonitma, there's like a blank there that you would ask about. So it's written, but don't in, read too much into it. That's what Rabbi Shmuel says, right? And like Chanatana Rabbi Shmuel, as the Tana Rabbi Shmuel enunciated very clearly, Tana Rabbi Shmuel ko parsha shenemar v'nishnet any parsha which is said and repeated lo nishnet el b'shvil shadavashin chadesh, but it's only repeated for that component of it which is new, which means the rest of the language there should not be seen as indicative of any meaningful superfluity, but rather is there to construct the text. So in the same way, and the second half of that is, that's all just to say, which is the Kiddush. And the rest of that, don't read differently. There's not really two Kinuyim here that you should attend to. There's only one, and it's there to allow you to do Kinui. Rabbi Kiva, on the other hand, says, no, we pay attention to every single word that's written, and every one of them is meaningful. And even though it, the sentence would be awkward without it, nonetheless, it's written there in that style to teach us something. Teach us that Kinui is not only permitted, but is indeed obligatory. All right, that's one. Here's the second one. Whether or not you are obligated to participate in your sister's funeral. The opening pasuk of Parsha Tumat Kohanim. Kedushat Kohanim is tell B'nai Aaron that they cannot be mitamei. So therefore, I would think that they can't be mitamei to anyone. It's story. It's the richal michtav la'itama. Therefore, the Torah has to say to your sister, you are nitma. So that means you're allowed to. Rabbi Kiva says, Michiim Sheronafka. The next Pasuk says, except for his blood kin. Alright, so Lai So why does that if the Torah says he's not Mitame except for his blood kin, that already is permission. Why does it then say at the end and for his sister that he should be Mitame for her? That means it's an obligation. Lechova. <clears throat> Rabbi Shmuel. So what does Rabbi Shmuel do with that? The uh, phrase uh, has its own important limud, which is something that we saw at the end of Nazir, in the, towards the end of Nazir, your mitame for your sister, and not for limbs of your sister. Kohen may not participate in the burial of limbs uh, even of relatives, because it's only Aviv, Aviv Shalem, etc. Now, for Rabbi Akiva, he agrees, but Im came Lichtov Rachman Allah. So therefore, the Torah should say, Vilachotob, Tula, Sherlock, Talish, La. Let the Torah say la and be silent. Why does it have to say yitama? Shmamina, that it's there to tell you an obligation. Again, Rabbi Shmuel, I did chatavla, katavna yitma. Because the Torah said la, it has to say yitma. Why? That same approach that we already used, which is that the extra words in a necessary piece should not be attended to. It's there because of the new information. So, la is the new information. Yitama has to be said, because without it, it sounds awkward. 
La what? So Yitama is there just of necessity for the sentence. Okay, last one. Leolam bahem tavodu reshut. Having to hold on to your avadim kranim. Why does he say that? The Torah commands us to obliterate all the seven nations. Therefore, the Torah has to say you are allowed to keep avadim kranim. But who are avadim kranim? What defines someone as a Kanani when the father is a Kanani? But if somebody from another nation has relation with a Kanaanit and has a kid, that one you may keep alive. You're not bound by the obligation to uh, of, to wipe him out. And uh, you may keep him alive as a slave, but that means you may. You don't have to. <clears throat> How do I know that if someone from another nation has relations with a female Kananit, meaning of the seven nations, and they have a son, how do I know that you're allowed to buy him as an Evid, you don't have to, to kill him? What does the text say? From the children of the residents that are residing or sojourning with you, you can buy from them. Meaning, somebody's come from another place and they're visiting and they've had a child here, that you can buy. I might think, do the other way also. Say, if a Kanani man has relations with an outside woman, that you could have that child also. And it's the only thing that would be prohibited would be a Kanani man and a Kanani woman. That's why the text says, the visitor who gave birth in your land. What does that mean? In other words, that the mother is from your land, and they, that's who birthed you, but not that the father is from your land, and the mother is visiting here. So that's how we define that the only people, and that everybody will agree, that the only one who can be an Evakani is somebody who is either of them. Both parents are from other nations, or where the father is from another nation and the mother is a Kna'anit, and then you keep them alive. But again, Rabbi Shmuel says, that's why the text says, not to tell you that you must keep them, but that you may keep them and you're not obligated to, to kill them. Now, if Rabbi Akiv, what does he do with that? The Torah says, means you may buy from them. So that already tells you that you don't have to kill them. becomes a chiyuv. He says, Mehem Tiknu, sorry, the Bahem is there to say, they you can work at hard, but you cannot work other Jews hard. If you have a Jewish slave, you have to keep not work him overly hard. Rabbi Kiva says that you get from the end of the Pasuk, the end of that Parsha is that you can work them hard, etc., but your, your brothers, B'nai Israel, you can't work him with backbreaking work. Rabbi Shmuel says, Again, we come to the same point. Rabbi Shmuel says, Since it says that your brothers, you cannot work hard, it says, them, you may work hard. Again, parallel construction. Uh, and there we have that all three machlokot are parallel. They are about how to understand a phrase which in and of itself is needed for its only mood, but it's couched in seemingly repetitive language. Rabbi Kiva says that extra language is there to push it from the realm of, of permission to the realm of obligation. Rabbi Shmuel says, no, pay no attention to those extra words. They're there just to couch the new idea in the Pasuk. La yitama, leolam, bahem tavodu, etc. Um, okay. Amrav Chista. We have a brief uh, tangential agada. Znuta beveta. 
if there's znut, uh, adultery, in the house, kikari l'shumashema, it's like a worm eating in, in, in um, seeds, destroys it up. anger in the house, kikari l'shumashema, that's also very destructive of the house, just rips the house apart. By the way, both of those are only referring to the woman. If there's a man, it's not so bad, meaning if the woman is having relations with other men, if the woman is, uh, has a short fuse and gets very angry, that can really destroy the household. Originally, before Yisrael was chote, haita shechina shurem kol echad v'echad. The shechina was with every individual. Shenemar, k'adonai v'lecha mitalech v'kerav machanecha. This is the beginning of the pasuk that describes how you have to keep the camp uh, holy, as Hashem is walking within the camp. The minute that they sinned, the shechina left. Shinemar, by the way, is the same pasuk. You have to be very careful not to have something inappropriate because the, the Shechina will leave. And so that's indeed what happened. Um... Uh, anybody who does a mitzvah in this world, the mitzvah comes and sort of precedes him and parades in front of him. Your tzedakah walks in front of you. But if you sin in this world, it grabs onto you. It grabs onto you and walks in front of you, or walks with you uh, to your judgment. Okay, so it, it graps on to the, the, the road that you take, right? and you end up lost. Not only that, but it hangs on to you like a dog. This is Mrs. Potiphar, who wanted to have relations with Yosef. Yosef refused to listen to her, to be with her, and to lie with her. What's that double language? The famous Midrash. The way this Midrash is reading that Midrash, and this Gemara is reading that Midrash, is not just that she wanted to be with him in both worlds, but rather that if he would give in and sleep with her in this world, she would kind of stay with him in the world to come. That sin would be wrapped around him uh, in the world to come. Okay, now, back to uh, the issues of Edut, of Sota. Tananatam Shayabedin, we have a mission later on in, uh, in one of the later Prakim, that theoretically we could argue based on reason. Testimony of the first stage, we'll see what the first stage is, which does not prohibit her forever. You need at least two people. Edut the last Edut, the Edut of the last stage, that can prohibit her forever. Don't, shouldn't we need at least two? Now, we're assuming here that the first Edut we're referring to is Stira, and the second Edut is Tuma. And because we say Stira, you need two, and Tuma, you only need one, and it should be backwards, because after all, Edut Stira is not going to prohibit her forever. So don't drink the water. Edut Tuma finishes her. She can't be with her husband anymore. So you should need two. That's why the Torah says that there is not... As we learned in the previous podcast, meaning any testimony that there is, even one person, will already render her Tamei. And now, flip that back and turn the Kalvachomer inside out. That gives us a, um, a Kalvachomer about the first Edut, which is... <laughs> 
uh, the testimony of the last stage, which could prohibit her forever. You only need one witness. The first testimony, which is not going to prohibit her forever, will just set her up for the drinking. Shouldn't one witness be enough? And now we pull out the pasuk at the beginning of Parakhaf of, of, of Dvarim about Gerushin. And that is that a man divorced his wife because he found Ervat Davar. And the word Davar, Davar, famous Kzerashava, the Davar in in Shoftim is two witnesses, says Shnaim Edim. So therefore the Arvat Davar needs two. So therefore we know that everything else in Sota, because it's an issue of Ariot, needs two. Now wait. Hi, Michimatsa Ravatavarafka, since when did you infer that Edut Stira uh, needs two from Ermatsabaravatavar? Mibanafka, Bavalobakinu, Ravalobastira. Remember we had the whole Limud. We said Eid Einba, Bavalobakinu, Ravalobastira, which means that um, those other things do need two as opposed to Tuma, which only needs one. You're right, that's exactly what it says. The expanded proper version of that Brita is Tamadomar Ba. How, why do, why am I not going to employ my reasoning and say if the second adut can work with only, the final adut can work with only one, the earlier adut, which is, has less severe consequences, should be able to work with one, because it says, bah, bah, below bikini, below vestira. Vetuma, bauma, below kino vestira, below vestira. Let's say you have a stomach case of tuma, which is without any circumstantial evidence, without kino and stira. How do we know that one witness is not enough? He comes forward and says, I saw this woman sleeping with another man. There you have Dover Dover. Dover Dover has nothing to do with Sot. That has to do with a regular case without all the circumstantial buildup. Good. So now we mentioned the phrase Edut Rishona and Edut Achrona. So Tanar Rabbanan, Edut Rishona. What is the Edut Rishona? Edut Stira. Edut Achrona zo Edut Tuma. Now, let's see what that means. The Brita continues and says, "Okay, you have to give testimony to Stira for how long? What if she walked into a to a, a, a closet for a second to get something, and there was somebody in there? At what at what point do we call it Shir Stira? Kedei Tuma has to be enough to have relations. Kedei Bia, we're now defining that as Bia. Kedei Ha'ara, which means the entrance of Bia." And then we get a shear, which is the amount of time it takes either to run around a tree or for the branch of a decal in the wind to of a palm tree to flow back and forth. Two ways to read that. There be Shmuel. So now we're going to have a bunch of Tanaim, all each one of them giving us a different measurable shear for Kedei Tuma, Kedei Bia, Kedei Ha'ara. Rabbi Shmuel's number one, he says, Hakafat Dekel, running around a tree. Rabbi Shmuel's long enough, as long as it takes to pour and mix the water and wine. He says, yes, it's with wine, but it's drinking the wine. Benazai Omer, and we're going to have to look at Benazai in the next podcast, how he knows about this. As long as it takes to fry an egg. Rabbi Kim Omer, enough to eat a fried egg. He gives it longer, he says, enough to eat three eggs, one after another. These are all sound very strange. Uh, you have to tie a string together. 
How long does it take for to reach into her mouth to take a toothpick out? As long as the amount of time it takes for her to reach into a basket and pull out a loaf. We're going to see details on all of these. By the way, even though I can't prove it, I've got an allusion to it, which is the Pasuk and Mishlei, which we were, we're going to take apart uh, agatically later on as to what that phrase means. But an Ishazona is for a loaf of bread. It's an illusion. Now, now I'm looking back at the introductory line, which is Kedei Tuma, Kedei Bia, Kedei Ha'ara. Why do I know all three of them? Tzrichi. Di Tana Kedei Tuma, if I just said the amount of stira, is Kedei Tuma, Amena Kedei Tuma, Tava Tzota. I might think it's long enough to both appease or seduce her and have Tuma. Therefore, it says Kedebiya, which means it's only as long as you need to actually have Bia. Hitana Kedebiya, if I said that, Havimena Kedegmar Bia, I might think that means having the full Bia. Kamashvan Kedehara. Therefore, it tells me long enough as it takes to just enter. Vyashminim Kedehara, so why don't I just say Kedehara and I'll know that it's that minimal time. Havimena Kedehara Vart Sotai, I might think that it is enough time to seduce her and to do the beginning of Bia. Kamashvan Kedetuma, therefore it says Tuma. And then it gives us the, the list, how long that is. So in other words, we need to know that it is Kedei um, Tuma and not any of the preparatory stuff. And that refers specifically to Bia. And even within Bia, it's only the beginning of Bia. That's long enough. Now, Ruminhi, we're going to challenge this with a Brita that's going to give similar Shiurim and similar names, but different alignment. Venistra... Um, the Torah says if she is in seclusion, and we don't know how long she's in seclusion, what the shear is. Therefore it says, Again, same setup, that how long is it? She has to be long enough there for Tuma, which means Bia, which means He'ara. So now the first Tana mentioned here is not Rabbi Shmuel, it's Rabbi Lazar, who's second in the first Brita. And he says, long enough for the tree to go back, in other words, for the, the wind to blow the, the branch back from where it went. Omer, who was the third Tana in the first Brite, who said, drinking a cup, here he says, Kedemizigatakos, pouring the cup, which was the opinion mentioned by Rebeleza in the previous Brite. Benazi Omer, and Benazi was the one who said, um, that is, uh, uh, frying an egg, here he says, which was the earlier opinion of the Brite. It looks like the Brite is just one off. Rekiva, who was said in the first Brite uh, to eat an egg, says to fry an egg. says that it's enough to eat it. So now, that's the Brite, which means that the second Brite looks to be just one off of the Azavars who said what? Now, we think that and are the same amount. The amount of time it takes for a branch to whip across, around a tree. In the first part, that's what Rabbi said, Rabbi Lazar disagreed with him. And here, Rabbi Lazar adopts the same position. So there's several ways to solve this. The first way is to say that the Shirman are alike. He says, no, means running around the tree. Chazar is the wind whipping the branch around, not the same. So now, what does that mean? Meaning one time around. Have to whip around, come back, and come to rest in its place. Now, 
the second problem. In the first brayta, he said, to pour a cup. And in the second brayta, he had the thing about the tree. So that's easy. We could say that's the same amount of time. Hatamar Rabbi Yeshua, now Rabbi Yeshua, who was fourth, sorry, third in the first brayta, said, Kadei Lishtoto, to drink the cup. And Hacha Markadimizigatakos. Here who he second, he said Mizigatakos. Notice that the Brightot have the same um Shiurim in the same order, but one extra name got added into the first Brighto of Bishwan, bumped everybody down, and that's there in a in a different uh, alignment. Um Vilishtot. So we'll say that really he said both of them, which is enough time to pour it and drink it. Why don't we say that pouring it and drinking it are the same? Because if that's the case, that Rabbi Shunam Balazar aren't disagreeing, so why are they, why are they presenting as if they have different uh, shiurim? By the way, a general question about this brighta is, do we have a disagreement among these tanaim, or all these measures, which by the way are very, very short, are all of them just examples of pretty much the same thing, which is a few seconds? Um... In the first bright to Benaz, I said enough to fry an egg. Here he said to drink the wine. So that's easy. Just say it's the same amount of time. In the first bright to Kiva said to eat the egg. Here he said to fry an egg. So say that it's really a combination, enough time to fry and eat, like before to mix the wine and drink it. Again, the question: Why don't you just say that's the same shear? So then he's the same as Ben Azai, and why is he disagreeing with him? Because Ben Azai said to Freinig. In the first part, he said eating three eggs. Here he said to eat one. And that, there's no way you can get around that. You can't say it's three and one. You can't say that the same shear. So the advised Rabbi Kiva come. The answer is he was answering Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva to come from He said you measure by flying and eating. So he said, Rabbi Kiva, I got a better idea. Instead of saying enough time to fry and eat one egg, say to eat three eggs, which by the way is the same shear and it's easier to measure. And that's as far as we'll take it. We're going to in the, ne- the beginning of the next shear start uh, taking a look at the other opinions in the bright and asking questions about them. And um, at the end of this uh, process, figuring out where these different shiurim came from. And of course, the big sticking question, something to think about till the next year, is Ben Azai, who the Gemara and Yevamot reports, never married. How was he, where does he get the, sh- the shear from? Um, how does he know how long such a thing would take? We will continue in the next year. In the meantime, everyone should have a wonderful day.